Well, this morning, everybody, you have a nice, clean priest, because Mary has cleaned my alb and my anus, and she did a great job. They're sparkling white, so you've got a clean priest this morning. So thank you, Mary. Really appreciate it. Um, what else can I say? So the switching back and forth, you know, between Father Walter and I, this is interesting, right? So it presents us, us with some challenges, but we're get, we're going to get used to it. All right, um, we're we're not here to confuse you. <laughs> we're a little confused ourselves, so we're just kind of playing things by ear, little by little. All right, so it'll it'll all be good. It'll all kind of pan out, and we'll get a nice kind of regular schedule and and ritual down. I'd like to focus today on our first reading from Genesis. Uh, this is a a really Kind of a haunting passage, if you think about it, and you can imagine and put yourself in the situation here. Jacob, in the, in the context, look, context is very important. Jacob right now is, uh, he's overcome many trials uh, in connection with his relatives. He, he was out in the Far East for many, many years. And he was, uh, basically, this, this relative of his, Laban, had been giving him a hard time for many, many years. And it was really trial after trial after trial. Um, and so finally, Jacob kind of overcomes these different trials, and now he's coming back to the Holy Land, and he's got his brother to contend with. He's afraid, actually, that his brother, because of envy, um, is going to meet him and fight him. Okay, So there's these trials that Jacob is facing in relation to human beings. But something's interesting happens because there's this moment that he has in the middle of the night that doesn't involve a single human being, all right? So Jacob takes his family, his wives, all his children, all his servants, which were many, you know, we're we're probably thinking about 100 or 200 people probably. These guys had big households. And uh, he he fords the river and he kind of makes sure that they get all safe across this river and makes sure all his possessions are over the river. Now he's on the other side all by himself. He's got no family, not a single human being, not a friend, not a, uh, you know, a colleague, and no possessions whatsoever. So what we're looking at here is man stripped of everything. All, what do we do when we don't have anything to help us? No material resources, no people, no family, nothing. And so you're all alone and it's night, it's dark, you can't see anything. And this Man shows up and gets in this wrestling match with you. Now, literally, what's going on is an angel of God, and angels are, the fancy term is incorporeal, means they don't have a body, okay, so they're pure spirits, but because, you know, my, the whole principle of mind over matter, spirit is more powerful than matter. So angels have the ability to assume to themselves forms, okay, images usually, but also sometimes even a physical form. They can kind of be, there's a little bit of a physicality if they, if they want to choose to, to manifest themselves that way. So this angel manifests himself to Jacob and wrestles with him all throughout the night. Now, I was, in high school, one of the sports I played was wrestling. And, and I can tell you, wrestling is the most difficult and, and uh, taxing sport. It's only six minutes, okay, the way that they do it in high school. It's six minutes on the mat, and it is exhausting. You use muscles that you never even knew that you had. 
And you wake up the next morning and you're sore in places. You're like, I didn't even know I had a muscle in this little thing back here. It's it's absolutely grueling. It's absolutely grueling. And he didn't go six minutes. He went all night long with this angel. And uh, this angel represents God. Okay, was was there on behalf of God and has so much kind of ambassadorial authority that he could speak in the name of God. Okay, and so when they're all done wrestling, Jacob refer- knows that this is essentially he's been wrestling with God in the middle of the night. And uh, so he names the place, you know, that I've seen the face of God and I and I have lived. In our lives, now remember, Jacob was contending with human beings, but then suddenly he's contending with God. And in our lives, other people are going to present us with problems and challenges. But it's really God coming to us. It's really God testing us. And uh, salvation and our growth and holiness is not only a gift, but it's a prize. The Lord wants us to struggle. He wants us to contend so that we can merit, so that we can earn salvation. It's a beautiful thing. So it's not just a gift, salvation, but it's also a reward as a result of hard work and effort and and even merit. Of course, the the principle of God's salvation is really first and foremost a gift, but it's also a reward. And that's what we learn from our reading today in Genesis. Uh, another thought that I have here, too, is, is oftentimes, you know, this is a metaphor, and, and metaphors always limp, meaning that they're never completely adequate to the reality that they're, they're signifying, okay? So oftentimes people will encounter trials in life that are absolutely devastating, terrible, terrible trials. Cancer, um, a son passes away because before the parents because of an, an OD on drugs. Uh, terrible things happen to people. And so someone might at first kind of be, you know, insulted that these trials, such horrendous trials in a person's life, are being likened to a play wrestling match. Okay? But remember, it, it's a metaphor in all metaphors limp. The idea is that God never gives us anything that we can't ultimately handle. Okay, He's always in control. He always sets the rules and the parameters of this test. And it's for our good. No matter what kind of trials or sufferings we encounter in life, it's for our growth. It's like he's our trainer. It's like he's testing us so that we would actually be strong. Not so that we would be defeated. Not so that we would be overcome. But so that we would overcome. So that we would be victorious and so that we would grow. And uh, this is this is a beautiful thing. This is the way the Lord uh, relates to us. I think it's a very important uh, um, lesson to be learned here from today's uh, first reading. We see a hint of it as well in our psalm as well. So in the psalm it says, Though you test my heart, searching it in the night. Right? This is what was going on with Jacob. Okay, testing in the night. Though you test my heart, searching it in the night. Though you try me with fire, you shall find no malice in me. And that's ultimately what the Lord wants. He wants a pure heart, and he wants righteous conduct from us. So, my brothers and sisters, if you ever feel like the Lord's, you know, in a wrestling match with you, don't lose heart, okay? It's for our good. He, he wrestles us, and, you know, he struggles against us in a certain regard, in a certain respect, in a certain manner of speaking, for our good, because he loves us, and he wants us to become better and to grow. And uh, he knows that 
in eternity, we're going to be totally thankful. Because in eternity, we're going to be more glorified. We're going to be closer to God. We're going to be beholding his goodness and experiencing joy and happiness to the extent that we put the work in now. And so it's ultimately for our good. And we're going to be eternally grateful to our loving God for whatever trials he sends us in this life. Because we're going to be reaping the fruits of those trials for eternity. Uh, no matter what the Lord sends our way, he does it for our good and because he loves us and he wants us to be happy and to rejoice with him forever in heaven.